Hello, and welcome to the Let's Not Panic podcast. We're two practical people chronicling a pretty impractical trip. We're trying not to panic. I'm Maggie. And I'm Adam. And today we have a super special guest, my Auntie Sharon. Hi, guys. Hi, Sharon. Sharon, can you introduce yourself? I'm Auntie Sharon, otherwise known as Sharon Hall. Miss Hall, if you're nasty. Miss Hall, if you're nasty. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we were super excited to have her on our podcast today um, for many reasons, because she's fascinating and one of my favorite people, but also because she and I share a characteristic, which I would call... Um, Panicking. <laughs> we're imaginative calamitists. Does I that sound right? That. Yes, I want to put that on a business card. <laughs> it, it's, it's better than just a freak. Or like deeply anxious. Deeply anxious, but I channel my anxiety to toward positive outcomes. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we're undertaking um, a big thing full of risk. And so today we thought it would be fun to talk to you about taking big risks, but also taking big risks at the same time as being a person who's very risk averse. So maybe to get us rolling, is there a time that you feel like you've taken a risk in your life that you're proud of or that was particularly scary? Yes, I think in adopting two children was a very scary and risky proposition. And I had seen too many Lifetime movies that had uh, calamitous uh, endings to them, but it uh, has not been that way for us. That's so lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and before you decided to adopt, what were kind of the things you were most worried about? I was most worried about something being wrong with the kid. I think that's a worry most parents have, whether they're carrying a child or adopting a child. I think just having a baby is a scary proposition. Having a baby where you're not controlling the prenatal care made it a little scarier. Having a baby where you really can't look at a family tree and know what the crazy is uh, was a little frightening. <laughs> but I'll tell you, the, the things that used to keep me awake at night when we were trying to have kids were also terrifying because I know our family and I know Todd's family. That's my husband. And uh, that gene pool did not have a lot to offer <laughs> either. <laughs> so, you know, we're trading one kind of crazy for another. It all equaled out in the end. I've got crazy in my family too, so... I feel feel for that situation. Well, the thing that also people wondered about with our two boys who are both, uh, you know, mixed race children is how was that going to be for them to bring a Mexican, Italian, Dominican, Portuguese. That's not all one kid. That's the mixture of all the kids uh, into a family of, you know, two little pudgy Jewish people. And uh, it, <laughs> we, we worried that when they were older and tall and gorgeous that it would be a very stark difference. But um, it turns out that um, that has not manifested itself in, in anything that was strange or other, uh, maybe because uh, our family had already broken such barriers before they got here onto the scene and that the Benetton family just looked more complete once they uh, joined the picture. It's true. They did round out our rainbow real nicely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) We're very photogenic now. Indeed. (laughs) Indeed. Um, And was it something, too, where, you know, you have your own imposed sense of risk and the things that were scary about that, but things where people would ask you leading questions about that that made it clear that they were also concerned about 
how this was going to play out with adopting children whose prenatal care you weren't responsible for, didn't get to witness? Oh, yeah. I mean, people would, you know, scare the shit out of me uh, before they were born, asking if I had done my research on fetal alcohol syndrome or, you know, what, you know, they didn't take their omegas while they were born or their B12 or whatever it is that I didn't need to take. Uh, and that their, you know, their cerebral cortex wasn't going to be completely formed by the time they were born. And there was um, all sorts of reasons to panic. I will say that the people in the industry of adopting children don't help because they have to disclose all the inherent risks that come with adoption, not just the legal things that can go wrong, but the physical things too. When you agree to adopt a child, usually you are you're, you're signed up. You don't get really, it's not like having a puppy where you're like, mm, just kidding, you know, if you've, right. gone, if you've gone through it all. So, you know, that is, um, you know, it was definitely a topic that people felt fine about, you know. Being really intrusive. Yeah, yeah. being incredibly intrusive and, and nosy. And can you imagine if you walked up to any given pregnant woman on the street and started asking questions about everything that they did to safeguard the health of their child? I mean, it was... It was a little overwhelming, but once yeah. once they got here all fat and perfect, I was, you know, put to, my fears were put to rest. <laughs> so um, what was it that got you through that? So you had the, the creative ability to imagine every calamity, but you, you made the decision anyway. So what gave you that courage to do that? I don't think I was that courageous. I mean, I think I'm just a, a human animal who needed to be in a, a, a pack. I just knew that my family had to get here, mm -hmm. so I had to get them here. I mean, my husband and I went through seven years of fertility treatments. It's very biblical that it was seven years. You know, everything's broken down yeah. to seven <laughs> years in the Bible. So I had, you know, the seven, you know, barren years in the desert of fertility <laughs> treatments and craziness and getting, you know, drugs from Mexico made from the urine of postmenopausal cloistered nuns. And... <laughs> <laughs> that's not a sentence everyone gets to say in their that's, life. That's not a real thing. It's a real thing. No. It's a real thing. <laughs> and those nuns were getting old and they didn't know where they were going to get that hormone from on that certain thing. And I actually had to switch protocols halfway through because the Italian cloister nun community had been tapped out. They were just like, no more urine. No more urine. Wow. <laughs> like, I'm hydrated enough. <laughs> that even a conversation that anyone ever had with a nun but imagine that <laughs> convent it's like what 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 kind of god's work do you perform here <laughs> we pee a lot <laughs> so that women in beverly hills may procreate <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that just sounds like a scam <laughs> you know, I this could all be apocryphal. I could have, I could be imagining this entire story. Yet it's in my head. Yeah. So something there is a it's kernel a of something story. in there. Yeah, it's a touching good story. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you were because I'm at the age now where like a lot of my friends are having their first babies, and a lot of my first friends are also dealing with um, not being able to have babies, and it's so much more common than we talk about. So for those friends, or for the friends of those friends, um, when they make the decision to adopt, what do you suggest their friends do to be as supportive and loving as possible and not to do all the nonsense that you were put through? Take the lead from the parents who are adopting. Mm. I mean, you, their, their anxiety will dictate how deep you want the conversation to go. 
Uh, it, and I don't think that, you know, looking back on it, I wasn't really treated like it was that special a thing. I was given a, you know, baby showers and name picking out and all the kind of stuff everybody goes through. It became very normal once the babies got here, mm. you know, leading up to, and there was a certain group of friends that were very dialed into the kind of soap opera of my relationship with the kids' birth mothers, which was not like a Lifetime movie. Again, I'll say it. It was it was really sweet and kind of normal and wonderful. I mean, my older one's birth mother and I were born one day apart, seven years apart. But, you know, we, yeah. we, were, we, were, we kind of shared almost a birthday, almost a birthday. And she was really funny and kind of righteous and, uh, you know, was kind. It was kind of like. Do you remember the movie Desperately Seeking Susan? It was a little before your time. I it started. Oh, you guys have to see it. It was Madonna's feature film debut. We will put a link to it in our show notes. Ah, <laughs> very good. Well, I was Rosanna Arquette, and Jack's birth mother was kind of like Madonna. Um, and you know, Susan wanted some edge in her life, and she kind of got a girl crush and fixated on this character of of you know Susan, who she found in a want ad was before the internet and there were want this things called newspapers and they what? ran yeah and they ran want ads she circled it with a grease pencil it was the <laughs> 80s and um she be she kind of had a girl crush on her and wanted to be more like her and almost poses her to kind of infiltrate her life and break out of the suburbs i digress but you know jack's jack's birth mother was she was righteous. She was like a motorcycle chick, and, and she's a stevedore who builds bridges, and she's awesome and really, really funny. And there was a lot of dark humor to our, I'll call it a courtship, but the, the period of time that I flew up to Oregon before he was born, we had to hang out together every day and take her to doctor's appointments and with her then six-year-old kid. And we were running out of things to do in Portland, and one day we said, let's go to the Elvis Museum. There's an Elvis <laughs> Museum kitschy Elvis Museum and we didn't know that it was a church and that Elvis was the minister what? and there was Jack's birth mother nine months pregnant and the minister offered to marry us so we got married by Elvis no two, two days <laughs> before <so> good. <laughs> now that doesn't happen to everyone having a baby no you don't get to marry your baby mama <laughs> before your baby's born <laughs> unintended delight <laughs> Well, it was all in the up and up, at least. So it it definitely great. was. Yeah. 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 Once Elvis signs off, like it's real. Mm-hmm. It's real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't that wasn't like an official marriage. Like you're not like polygamous now. Well, you know what? It's entirely possible that we are. But in no. the state of Oregon, you in have a wife. Of, mm-hmm, I have a wife. She's lovely. <laughs> That's in Oregon, though. We're fine here, right? You're yeah. safe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. As so, we're recording this while we're still in California. We've left for our trip, um, but haven't really got going in earnest yet. And we would just love any advice you have for me and Adam as we embark on what's our riskiest decision, anyway, that we've taken on as adults. Maintain your sense of humor toward each other mm. on the trip. I am not afraid of you in the world. Driving around in your tricked out Sequoia or whatever that is. It's a forerunner. It's a forerunner. <laughs> I'm pretty sure your father has you, you know, like hidden Garmin satellite beacons. Oh, it's under not your... hidden. We, oh, we you know about you, it. No, we, we, have we bought it. it. We bought it ourselves. Ah. Yeah. We'll send you the link. Yeah. Okay, very good. We well, will not be putting that in our show notes. I had images of him kind of like a grease monkey underneath your truck, like sticking things <laughs> under there. Putting an extra one in. Putting an extra one in. Backup. 
You have you have the the thing that cuts the seatbelt and pops out the window in case you tip over into a ravine, right? What? I'm giving that to you before you leave. It's in the <laughs> center console of my car. You may not have room for it. No, it's only about seven inches long. It's not heavy, is it? No, it can sit, fits in the palm of your hand. It's an awesome little tool that can slice your seatbelt off of you, and then the end of it is a metal tip, and you can bang out your window in case you tip over in a ravine because oh because of the game like that scene in the game that's right where they drive the car and you can't get out of the car oh, okay. that's right and so i always worry that i might somewhere tip over into a causeway in the middle of a desert state of california into into a body of imaginative water imaginative calamitous imaginative calamitous <laughs> that's You're right ready though i could hit somebody in the forehead really hard with that too oh it's a multi-purpose tool mm, it is See, didn't even think of it that way everything needs to have two purposes in the vehicle and that's escape you tool? just sold me on the second purpose it glows yeah. in the dark too so that's escape oh, tool wow. murder tool mm-hmm. it, you know it's nice that it serves two functions that's right yeah mm-hmm. And you may need to cut, you may need to like cut reeds she to may, make a raft. She <laughs> you may, could do that with this. She may need to cut me. Me? Yeah. Oh, no. No. We're, as, we're Unless you're leaching out the poison from some hor. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. Yeah. yeah. Horrible snake bite. No, yeah. it's okay. We're going there. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. If you get bitten by a snake. Although I learned from Lonesome Dove that that's not a real thing. Sucking out the poison. The snake venom. Don't do that. that. What, wait, Doesn't actually do that's anything. That's not. Wait, why did you learn that? Because I think that's true. I still think that's true. Oh, not Lonesome Dove, the other book we're reading right yeah, now. Yeah, but that's a the fiction that book. That's a fiction book Mars. about Martian snakes. Pit, what are they called? Pit vipers. <laughs> no, not pit vipers. That's a real snake. No, but that's what they're called in the book. Yeah, they're, they're you guys may want to get this straight before you leave. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can cut out we the poison. It. You, you cut an X over the, the bite. You suck it out. And we can do this with the tool that Sharon is going to suggest for us. Um, it might be a little painful. I do like the other advice of of maintaining a sense of humor toward one another. Yeah, it sounds like we could have used that yesterday. We had some sense of humor. We don't need to tell anyone about that. That's what this podcast (laughs) is. You know, I I really, I'm, I'm in deep awe of what you're, what you're doing because I can't drive to Ralph's with my husband (laughs) without wanting to murder him. So, (laughs) yeah. Todd does drive Jersey fast. He drives Jersey fast. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Okay. Yeah, well, you know you. my I number. You. I will. I, I will fly to you if you need me. Okay. We know your number. You're gonna be fine. I've already like pre-imagined everything, and you're fine. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. wow. Yeah. Wow. Your aunt Joanna is the same. Wow. That is. We're pre remarkably zen about our family. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You're totally cool. Okay. All right. Well, Sharon, is there anything? Um, is there a place online you'd like people to find you? Allegedly, I have a Twitter account. I do. And it has some rando name that you're going to have to correct. I think it's like Shawl at Sharon Twitter. But if you if you want to go on the on like the expanse at sci fi, I have I have tweeted things there and you can probably find me there. That's the show I, I produce. And it was really fun. Thank you. And it has a drone in it. It sure does. Yeah. We both geeked out over the drone. Yeah, there were many drones. The, the space station. Yep. Yep. That was a pleasing moment. Sharon, thanks so much for being our guest today. Safe travels, Thank my you. little people. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, you can find Adam on Twitter at Adam A. Wolf. And you can find Maggie at E M T E E Hall. That's M T Hall on it's Twitter a also. It's a stupid handle. It's not a stupid <laughs> handle. It's great. It's just hard to verbally communicate and you say empty hall and people are going to have a y in there there's no y anyway thanks for listening thanks for listening Bye. bye